all-time abide. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Luke. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us to repent. We live in a world full of sin, and Lord, we contribute to the sin of this world, and we are in need of salvation. So you have sent your Son, Jesus, to call us back into your presence for healing and hope and salvation. And so today, O Lord, we pray that you would give us hearts that would heed your call. Give us hearts that are soft and that repent and cling to Jesus even as he clings to us. Grant us your Holy Spirit this day and help us to hear your word in faith so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. What have I done to deserve this? Have you ever asked that question before? Hopefully, you were, prayerfully, you were able to ask it in a positive way, like somebody came along and did something really nice for you. They, they did kind of went above and beyond the call of duty and really blessed you in a wonderful way. And it happened, and you said, well, this was great. What have I done to deserve this? And you felt really good about it. That's a wonderful place to be. But I've noticed lately in many of the conversations I've been having with people, especially with people who are going through difficulty or hardship, they're asking the same question but they're not doing so in a very positive way. They're facing a very difficult time in life and they want to know, what have I done to deserve all of this? Very often behind that question is another question that doesn't, doesn't take too long to follow. What have I done to deserve this? And is God angry with me? Now, we ask this question, I think, because in a certain sense, this is how we are wired to think. We tend to think, or we're wired to think, in terms of what we're going to call today karma. You know what karma is, right? It's, it's this idea that you get what you deserve. Now that's a kind of a, a fast and easy explanation of karma, and it's far more involved than that. But this is sort of how we think about things. People get what they deserve. You get out of life what you put into life. As the Beatles famously sang it in their last song, the love you take is equal to the love you make. You see, it's what you get in, uh, what you get out is what you put in. So when things go well or when things go poorly, we're wired to think that we're getting what we deserve. But then tragedy strikes and our karmic views of the universe are put to the test. And worse, really, kicked into high gear. We've had a lot of tragedy these last number of weeks, and I'm sure you've seen it on the news. Terrifying plane crash in Ethiopia. We saw the slaughtering of uh, the people in the mosque in New Zealand. We see even still, to speak of the slaughtering, hundreds of Christians lately being killed in Nigeria for their faith. And we see all of these horrible things taking place and we can come up with any tragedy, I'm sure, that comes to mind because we see them all the time. And we see these things go on and we ask ourselves, what did they do to deserve that? Is God punishing them for some transgression? And how can I be sure that I don't do the same thing so that I don't meet the same fate? Jesus is apparently dealing with very similar questions in our reading from the Gospel of Luke today. 
some people come to Jesus and start talking to him about some tragedies that had taken place among the Galilean Jews. Uh, Apparently there was a time, it's very likely that it took place during the Passover, uh, that many Galilean Jews were in the temple area offering up sacrifices of sheep. And suddenly Pontius Pilate showed up. And we'll know Pontius Pilate, of course, from the Creed, and then we'll hear about him again very soon on Holy Week when he is the one putting Jesus on trial, or overseeing Jesus' trial, I should say. Well, Pilate sent some Roman troops into the Galilee, to the Galileans there in the temple, and the troops slaughtered the Galileans, so much so that their blood mixed with the blood of the sacrifice. And this was a terrifying thing, and people wanted to know what did they do to deserve that. Jesus also mentioned another tragedy. Apparently there was this tower in a place called Siloam that came tumbling down, and in that crash it killed 18 people. And people saw this and they wondered, were those Galileans, or were those people killed uh, in that tower sinful? Was God punishing them for something? Were they getting what they deserve? What did they do to deserve that? And we look for a cause, an effect. We want to put the dots, we want to connect the dots. We want to make sense of all of this. We have this conception that this world has to work in a manner that is fair. So if people are going to die and suffer in that way, they must be getting what they deserve. They must be getting what they have coming to them. And so we want to know what they've done, you know, so we can keep God in check. So we can prevent God from doing the same thing to us. We want to keep him at bay. So let's figure out what they did wrong so we make sure we don't do the same thing. And we keep ourselves safe. So we demand to know, why did it happen? What did they do to deserve it? And how can I avoid it? And here today in our reading from Luke, Jesus becomes quite frustrating with the answer that he gives, or probably better said, with the answer that he doesn't give. Because Jesus will not tell us why they suffered in this way, and in fact, Jesus will not allow us to connect the dots. He won't fall into this trap of dealing with these things in terms of karma. He's not going to explain these specific instances of suffering and hardship as a direct result of some specific sins. Instead, you might say it this way, Jesus only makes matters worse. And instead of playing the karma game, instead of giving us answers that we want or will satisfy us, he turns the tables on us. And forces us to ask the question, not did they deserve this, but how should you respond to it? Listen to what he says this morning. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? And later, do you think that those 18 on whom the tower fell were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? In other words, Jesus is asking them, do you think this is all taking place because of karma? Do you think God is giving them what they deserve? Do you think that you're off the hook because it hasn't happened to you? Listen to Jesus' words. He says, no, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Well, wait, Jesus. Those aren't the comforting, sweet Jesus words we wanted to hear in the face of all of this. 
But here is Jesus today, and he's, he's coming at us with this very harsh reality, this very harsh truth today, that though these tragedies are not sort of direct karmic result of some divine eye-for-an-eye punishment, they are evidence of sin's impact on the world and God's wrath against that sin. These are, in fact, a bit of a preview of what is to come on the day of judgment when God's wrath will be poured out on and destroy all that is sinful and evil in this world. And all sinners who have rejected him will suffer from that wrath. And Jesus says even more harshly to us today, unless you repent, recognize that you are one of those who deserves that wrath. The reality is we all deserve God's wrath for our sins. It is, these are very unsettling verses today. But Jesus is honest with us. He's telling us the truth. He's showing us that the situation of sin is, is like this. Sin is like an atomic bomb that has gone off. And when an atomic bomb goes off, it impacts and destroys and corrodes everything within its wake. Everything is impacted in a negative way. And if you think about it, every time we sin, it's like we're setting off another one of these bombs. And this is why the world is falling apart. And this is why we see destruction all around us. And this is why there's suffering and hurt and pain. Because sin is corroding and impacting everything around us. Sometimes we're impacted by the explosion. Sometimes we're at fault for it. And God is going to pour out his judgment on this earth because of it the wages the scriptures say the result the consequences of this sin is death that is god's punishment for us and we see death coming at us in all kinds of terrifying and horrible ways so jesus says to us today everyone deserves to suffer the wages of sin because everyone has sinned those Galileans, those people in the Tower of the Siloam, all the tragedy we see in those worlds, not all of those people were worse sinners than you are. And unless you repent, you will suffer the same fate. But now you see, we must be careful here. Because lest we move too quickly, we miss the hope that Jesus gives to us in the passage today. That we miss the good news that we find in this text today because I think we get too focused on uh, the terrifying part of it, which is not a bad thing to do. But what we have to recognize is that here Jesus is not only warning us of the impending doom, he's giving us hope in this wonderful gift he gives to us today, which we call the gift of repentance. Repentance. Now, before we get into what this actually means, we need to get a very specific image out of our head. Because if we're not careful, we can make Jesus today look like one of those uh, street, uh, sidewalk preachers with the sandwich boards. You know, you've seen these guys. they got the sandwich boards and it says, uh, repent or burn or something like this. You've seen such preachers before. We've got to be careful lest we think Jesus is talking like this. The problem with that sandwich board idea is that it reduces Jesus to just another teacher of karma, Right? Because here they're saying, if you you stop doing bad things, and then God won't let bad things happen to you. Start doing good things, and then God will let good things start uh, happening to you. So repent or burn. But that's not exactly how Jesus is speaking today. Jesus is saying something a little bit more like this. 
He's saying the atomic bombs have gone off. God's wrath is coming. Think of it like this. God's wrath is coming at you like a storm, and it's a fiery, terrifying storm, and it is burning right towards you. And the only way that you're going to be safe is if I get in the way of that storm. So turn away from the storm and turn to me. Turn away from your sin. Begin to wage war against your sin. Turn your Turn against the wicked activity in this world and come to me for healing and salvation. The wrath of God is being poured out on this creation and there is only one place where you can find shelter from it. And that's behind me. The scriptures describe Jesus' saving work for us in this way very often. In the book of Romans, it talks about Jesus as being uh, the propitiation for our sins. And if you remember that word next week, I'll give you a candy bar. Propitiation for our sins. I won't really give you a candy bar. That was a lie. I repent. Forgive me. But here's the idea. The wrath of God is coming, and Jesus gets in the way of it. He stands up, and he takes it. What we deserve is coming for us and Jesus stands in the way of what we deserve and takes it upon himself. Well, we hide behind him, we might say, in the shelter of his wings. Jesus has come, in other words, to take what we deserve and in exchange save us from what we deserve. He's come to forgive you He's come to give you everlasting life. So that in calling you to repent, Jesus is telling you that he has come to bring you out of this world of sin and into his kingdom of grace. That is a kingdom where death does not reign. In our lives, the reality is we will probably have to face suffering. The reality is that tragedy will strike, and yes, we may even have to die. But in Christ, we have the promise that whether you live or you die, you belong to the Lord, and this death is not your fate. Tragedy does not have the last word, and all the suffering we endure will one day turn into joy. Apart from Christ, it's karma. Apart from Christ, you get what you deserve. It's worse than karma. It's the wrath of God. But in Christ, Jesus takes the wrath upon himself. Jesus takes what you deserve. And he dies on the cross in your place. In Christ, Jesus has conquered what you deserve by rising from the dead. And now he comes out of that grave with the promise of life. In Christ, you have the promise that you will not be overcome by this world of sin. You will not get what you deserve. For in Christ, karma is at an end and you receive instead mercy by grace. Karma is death for us, but Jesus is your life and salvation. And the amazing thing about this work of Jesus in his death and resurrection is that not only does it save us from the wrath that is to come, it begins to sort of undo all the negative impact that sin had on the creation. And everything that we have deserved will be reversed. C.S. Lewis once said it this way, the resurrection is going to be life lived in reverse where all the corrosive effects of sin on the creation will be undone and overcome. The rising of Jesus on Easter morning is the beginning of this new creation, a recreation 
where sin will reign no longer, where graves will become memories of the past and all our tears will become as old tales, as it were. You see, in Christ, karma dies. Sin's effect is reversed. God's wrath is removed. And you do not and you will not get what you deserve. You and I who are so bound to our sin must rejoice that we have a Jesus who is far too bound to his love for us to let us get what we deserve. So that when we see tragedies in this world, when suffering and pain seem to be our only reality, when sin just seems to be too strong, Jesus says to you and me today, repent. Turn to this promise which is stronger and more certain than anything you will face in this life. Turn to this promise where Jesus says, I have taken what you deserve. I have died in your place. I forgive you. So now come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I forgive you, and I will save you. We find ourselves asking, what in the world have we done to deserve that? Nothing. But in Jesus, mercy triumphs over judgment. And God has saved you by his grace alone. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for the salvation that is ours. We thank you that you have taken the wrath that we deserve. And now, O Lord, we pray that you would teach us to repent, to turn to you and find hope and salvation in the work that you have done for us. We thank you, Jesus, for this. In your name we pray. Amen.